Amen. Thank you, musicians and singers, for leading us in worship. I believe the stage is set for God to minister to someone in this place tonight. I believe I can speak for every one of us when I say that it is all of our desire to walk in the will of God. I don't know of a person that doesn't want to walk in the will of God if you're trying to live for God. But the mistake that we make is when we equate the will of God as being pleasant times only. Because if a God is a God of love, and God is a God of power, and he is just and he is fair, and I'm doing everything I can to live for him, then surely this God would not make me face painful times. Surely this God would not allow me to walk into a season of heartache or pain. That's how our minds operate. What do you do when the will of God leads you to unpleasant times? You know, the will of God may not always be pleasant, but it can always be peaceful. I believe the Lord has a word for us tonight found in the book of Psalms, chapter 107. Psalms 107, one verse of Scripture, verse number 35. The Bible says, He turneth the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into water springs. Turneth that wilderness, a place of barrenness. Some of you know what I'm talking about right now. God has a way of turning that wilderness into a place of refreshing, a place of standing water. And you won't despise the wilderness when you see what God can do in the wilderness. I want to preach from this thought the wonder of the wilderness. The wonder of the wilderness. Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight because you have set the table. You have brought us to this place through our worship and through our, our praise. You have brought us to this moment where the word of God is going to speak to us. It is this word that gives us direction. It is this word that changes our life. I pray, Lord, for every heart, every soul, every mind. That you would, uh, that you would let a spirit of revelation come upon us. I pray, Lord, that we would be open to your word and we would respond to your word and we thank you for what you're going to do. And everybody claps their hands unto the Lord. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated tonight. The wonder of the wilderness. You know, the world in which we live is indeed awe-inspiring. One would be unwise to think that everything seen with the naked eye is the result of anything other than God. That which is seen and that which is unseen all testify to the creativity and the ability of an all-powerful uh, uh, all 
God. Psalm 91 and 1 put it like this. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. You can walk into your backyard. You can walk out these doors. And you can just look up and look around. And everything you see speaks of God. It shows us his power. The trees speak of his creativity. The garden that you plant and brings forth produce speaks of God's love for his people that he would allow things to come forth that would nourish us. Everywhere you look, you see God. You stand in wonder and in awe. No wonder Isaiah said, his name shall be called Wonderful because everything about God denotes wonder. It denotes amazement. It denotes awe when you stand and you see everything that God does. Not only what He has done, but also what man has done through the resources provided the Lord by the Lord. You see, God creates things. Man makes things. God can produce something out of nothing. But man takes what God has provided and brings it to another realm. I, I researched uh, seven wonders of the world, and I came up with two different categories. There are the seven natural wonders, and then there are the seven ancient wonders of the world. The seven natural wonders speak of God's handiwork. They are the Aurora Borealis, the Grand Canyon, the Periculan, Victoria Falls, the Great Barrier Reef, Mount Everest, and the harbor of Rio de Janeiro. These are known as the seven natural wonders of the world. When you look at those, you cannot point to a man and say, man did this. You stand in amazement at everything God created. There are some, though, just to name a few, that man made. There is the Great Pyramid of Gaza. There is the Eiffel Tower the Leaning Tower of Pisa, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. And while they were standing, even in the United States, people flocked to New York City to have their picture taken by the Twin Towers. You see, there are attractions around this globe that bring a sense of awe and a sense of wonder. People travel the world attempting to see these locations. Thousands snap their pictures. They mail their postcards. They share memories and they try to explain to others the feeling that they got when they were at this particular location. There are places such as I have already mentioned and many more that see hundreds of thousands of people a year whose jaws hang open, who see people, admire them, take photos of them, and they go there in droves. But I've never seen a person run to a wilderness to see its wonder. I've never seen a person put on their choice destination. I want to go to a wilderness. In fact, in my research online, I could not find a wilderness in any top destination. When we think of wilderness, we don't think of wonder. We think of isolation. We think of frustration. We think of abandonment. 
But we don't think of the wilderness as a place of wonder. No one goes there physically, and no one likes to go there spiritually. We like the blessings of God. We like the high times in living for God. We like the mountaintop experiences. And when everything is going great, and everything is doing what it's supposed to be doing. Uh, and, and we pray and God answers just like that. We don't like the wilderness. In fact, we despise the wilderness. But I've come tonight to show you that there is indeed wonder in the wilderness. There is indeed something to look at that's beautiful in the wilderness. You see, the wilderness has seen many people. More were forced there than went there voluntarily. And for clarity's sake, I looked up the word wilderness. It is derived from the word wildness, which means that which is not controlled by humans. It's that season of your life. That you have no control over what's fixing to happen. It's that season in your life, that place that God brings you, where try as you might, kicking and screaming to change the outcome of what's happening. God says, I've got to put you in the wilderness. It's the place where you can't control the outcome. It's the place where you can't hinder my plan because I see something in you. And the only way I can produce what I want is I have to bring you to the wilderness. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I got to bring you to the place. Yes, there will be tears. Yes, there will be misunderstanding. Yes, your questions will flood out of your mind faster than you can think of them. But it's the place that I put you on purpose. Because I am shaping something in you. Hear me tonight. God cares more about your soul than he does your emotion. God, I'm not saying God is not touched by the feeling of our infirmity. I'm not making light of the fact that God knows our pain. But even the Bible says it's better to go into heaven maimed. Because there you'll be made whole. I know of a guy one time, he was... He went everywhere, and all his main objective was praying healing for the sick. And I believe in the gift of healing. I believe that we ought to have faith. I'm not discrediting that. But his sole purpose was all he ever did was pray for healing. And finally, one day, he was at a pastor at a church, and, and the pastor said, Brother so-and-so, I'm not trying to get in your business. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to tell you what to do or what not to do. But if it was me, I'd also try to pray that they were saved. Because you can be made whole and lost. But if your soul is right, you can deal with the infirmity and still make it to heaven. God cares about your soul. God cares about developing what is in you. God cares about shaping who you are. I was praying one time, and I had been praying for a particular person and praying that they would get their miracle and, and, and their healing and I mean, I was praying and praying, and it didn't look like anything was happening. It, it looked like this person was stuck in this season of frustration. It looked like this person would never get their breakthrough. And finally, one day, I said, God, why won't you do something? You ever been there? God, why won't you move on behalf of this person? It, it, it wasn't even my need. I was praying for them. And the Lord just he impressed me. 
He said, because if I meet everybody's need, I'll lose many of them. Because that one thing in their life is the lifeline to their salvation. Because if I intervene and I take away all of this mess, they'll wash their hands of me and I'll never hear from them again. There are some things God allows to stay put in your life because he understands this is what's keeping them in contact with me right here. And God would rather you stay in contact with him and walk around in a wilderness. God would rather you have to deal with that situation as long as he can save your soul. Uh, The wilderness is the season or the circumstance that you have no control over. You ask, you beg, you cry, yet nothing seems to change. And there are times in life when you will walk through the wilderness. I want you to know this. You may wander through it, but you won't wander to it. Because the wilderness is divinely ordered. Which lets me know that God knows where I'm at. I may feel like I'm wandering through this season. But you can rest assured you didn't stumble upon a wilderness. You can rest assured. That God didn't just, you didn't catch God by surprise. The wilderness is not an accident. Abraham had to go through a wilderness. Isaac and Jacob went through a wilderness. Moses and Elijah. John the Baptist and Paul the Apostle. To to say that you stumbled your way into the wilderness would be the same as saying God didn't know what was happening in your life. You didn't stumble your way to a wilderness. You may feel like you're stumbling through it, but God has a plan for the wilderness. God does not do things without purpose. Ask Joseph what it's like to live his whole life thinking he was isolated and he was forgotten. But finally, when he was restored, he spoke these words. He said, you meant it for evil, but God knows how to turn it for good. It may seem like everything is coming against you in the wilderness, but God knows how to turn your wilderness into something that is beneficial for your life. Jesus, the Bible says in Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, being full of the Holy Ghost, sounds like you and I, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit Not to the pulpit. He wasn't led to go do the miracles. The Spirit said, before you can step into the dimension that I have, I have to bring you to the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit. He was divinely ordered to go to the wilderness. But you see, it was in the wilderness that he was shaped. It was the catalyst for who he was to become. He had just been baptized. The transaction had just taken place. The dove descended. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But before he could start his ministry, he had to go to the place of isolation. 
he had to go to the place of frustration. He had to go to the wilderness. The Spirit brought him to the wilderness. You hear this preacher. If the Spirit brought Jesus to the wilderness, I'm here to tell you God will have to bring you to the wilderness. But it's because he's trying to shape something in your life. He's trying to do something in your spirit. He's trying to to navigate you down a path that he sees uh, for you to go. We don't like it because his will often clashes with our will. It's like praying, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done if it lines up with my will. God, I want to do your will, but I don't want to cry. I don't want to hurt. I don't want to suffer. The Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through the things which he suffered. He didn't learn obedience when he was getting all of the attention. He didn't learn obedience when everybody was looking at him. He didn't learn obedience when uh, he was turning water into wine and feeding 5,000. No, Jesus was shaped. He learned obedience. He was made like God through the things which he suffered, through the, through the pain, through the heartache through the questions, through the misunderstandings, through everything that he went through. Before he began his ministry, he had to go to the wilderness. Why? Because the wilderness purges you of unbelief. Moses, everybody 20 and under is going to live. But everybody over 20, who had unbelief, the wilderness is going to purge my people of unbelief. It's in the wilderness that all you have is faith in God. When you're in the wilderness, every fiber, every fiber of your being, every fiber of your faith is being tested. And it's purging you. Of unbelief. When, the, when you're in the wilderness, intellect won't cut it. Because intellect's not going to understand what God is trying to do in your life. When you're in the wilderness, man-made resource. Money don't matter in the wilderness, honey. And if money brought happiness, then you, can you tell me how so many of them are taking their own life that have a lot of money? When you're in the wilderness, when you're in that season where it seems like you're isolated, when it seems like everything is going wrong, when your hands can't fix it, when your mind can't solve it, when your money can't buy it, that's when you have to rely on your faith in God and know that he knoweth the way that I take. And when I come forth, I shall be of pure gold. It was in the wilderness that Jesus was tested. It was in the wilderness. Yes, he was God in the flesh, but he was still flesh. And he had to be tested just like you and I. It was there that his appetite was tested. Make these stones bread. It was there that his ability was tested. Cast yourself down. And it was there that he was tested with affluence. I'll give all of the kingdom 
Everything you see, I'll give it to you. And Jesus stood his ground in the midst of the wilderness. You see, this was preparing him for what was to come. There was another phase. There was another dimension. The problem is we don't see that. We see the now. We don't know when the pain's going to end. We don't know when the frustration's going to end. We don't know when the questions and all. We don't know when the season's going to end, but God sees another realm. God sees another place. God sees where he's bringing you to. And you just have to know that God knows where you're at because the wilderness is a place of transition. Remember this. A new level means a new devil. Don't you think for a moment the enemy's going to let you grow in God? Don't you think for a moment the enemy's going to sit back and let you go from faith to faith without putting up a fight? Honey, any time there is transition in your life, you better believe you're going to have to fight something. You better believe you're going to have to battle something. But if you can just keep your faith in the wilderness, understand the greater the attack, the greater the anointing, the harder you fight, the more sweet the victory. The wilderness is indicative of transition. The Bible says here it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. That shows me that there is going to have to be seasons of transition in your life. Where you grow from one level of faith to the next. You know how you grow in faith? Trying times. We don't like that. If you want to grow a muscle, you know what you have to do? You have to put it under pressure. And you have to force it to stretch and to rip. And you have, when, you, when you work out, I've never tried to work out without pain being involved. Never. That's why I don't work out. I don't like pain. If it didn't require pain, we might could do it. I might be buff, but I'm not. I'm just fluff. That's how it is in living for God. If you want your faith to grow to another level, then it requires situations that bring pain. Don't ask to be more like Jesus. If you don't want to go through what it takes to be more like Jesus, I remember, I remember uh, sir, uh, somebody told a story one time of this preacher who was praying, oh, I want to be more like him. I want to be more like him. I want to be more like him. And one day something happened, and it, 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 was, it involved people that turned on him and betrayed him. And he was so heartbroken. And he kept crying out to God, God, why did this happen? God, this, God, that. And it said the Lord spoke to him and said, well, I thought you asked to be more like me. He said, you've never been more like me than when you've been betrayed. If you want to be like Jesus, you have to understand that I'm going to have to walk through a wilderness. I'm going to have to go through this place that is not pleasing to my flesh, but maybe pleasing in my spirit. Because God is shaping me into something that he sees that can benefit me. God, you've got to see the place of transition. When Jesus went into the wilderness, 
The Bible says that he went in Luke, in, the, in Luke, he said he went full of the Holy Ghost. But when he came out, the Bible says he walked out in the power of the Spirit. You see, there's a difference in just having the Holy Ghost and operating in the power of the Spirit. That's what the wilderness does. The wilderness transitions you from just being an average go-to-church saint to being somebody that walks out in the power of the Holy Ghost. Honey, there is wonder in the wilderness. God says, if you'll just look for it, I am shaping you into something I want you to be. There is wonder in the wilderness. To the human eye, the wilderness does not look attractive. No one wants to go to a wilderness. No one wants to go to a season of your life where you have no control over what's going on. Nobody. It's hard to find joy and strength in the wilderness. But you see, you can't see what God sees. God says, well, the Bible says, He turneth the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into water springs. In essence, what what the Scripture says is this. God has the ability to turn something that looks unproductive into something productive. Something that looks useless into something that is useful. You can't see it right now. But what God is doing is he is turning that in that season, that wilderness, that place where you feel barren, that place where you don't think anything's happening. One day you're going to look back and you're going to say, that season of my life is where I grew the most in God. I didn't grow the most while I was shouting. I didn't grow the most while I was singing. But when I walked through the night, that's where I learned to trust God. When I I was faced with pain, when I was faced with questions, it was that. That I learned to trust God. It was there that I learned the wonder of the wilderness. I'll never forget several years ago we were on the field. And I had that that red truck. and, And I was fixing to leave Louisiana. And I was going to come over here to Texas City. And I had spent every penny I had trying to buy this hitch for my truck because it was supposed to be a good deal and I needed this hitch and yada, yada. And, and I said, okay, Lord. I said, I, I, will, I will buy this and I'll make sure I have enough gas to get to the revival and have some groceries. So we should be good. But I do need a financial blessing, by the way. And we started driving down the road and my truck started sputtering. And smoke coming out of of tailpipe. And I'm not a mechanic, but I know that's not supposed to happen. But I said, well, if I can just get there, then we'll deal with this later. I just need to get there. It was on a Friday afternoon. And we got to Beaumont, and that thing started shaking. And I hit the side of the road after Beaumont. I was nine miles from Winnie. And and I was on the side of the road on a Friday afternoon with my family. And I... Pop the hood. I, I guess I was given the illusion that I knew what I was doing. I just know you're supposed to do that on the side of the road. Pop the hood. 
I didn't know what I was doing. There was all squirting out everywhere. I knew that wasn't supposed to happen. I'm standing on the side of the road going, now, Lord, we might have got our wires crossed because I was praying for a financial blessing. And it just don't look like a blessing. I was in a place where I had no control. I didn't have no money. We just stand on the side of the road, look at the truck. And I said, God, I don't even know how I'm going to get this thing towed. So I called my insurance, and that dawned on me. And they said, oh, yeah, we'll pay for towing. Yeah, but you've got to pay for it first. Ain't no money. Write them a check. Friday. It means it won't go through until maybe Monday or Tuesday. So I, I was trying to figure this thing out, and I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. When we bought this thing, I gave it to you. This is your broken down truck. I don't want this piece of junk. I just down the side of the road, didn't know what to do, and a man pulled up behind me. He got out and never seen this guy before. And he he came over there and said, What's going on? I said, Man, I broke down. Oil everywhere, smoke coming out the tailpipe, it's not going nowhere. About that time the tow truck called and caught one of the tow trucks had called me back and that guy looked at me and said, can I talk to him? Here. He's talking on the phone. He hangs up. He said, look, the guy wants $200 to tow you down the road to, to the Ford place. I said, okay. And he handed me some money. He, he said, here's 120 and I'll give you the rest when we get to that gas station. I said, man, you, you don't have to do that. He said, no, don't say nothing. I said, all right, thank you, Jesus. Maybe maybe we're getting somewhere here, at least to the the mechanic shop. And and we get we get down to the little gas station and we drop my trailer off and and load up the truck and the guy comes out and he comes out and he hands me two hundred more dollars. And I said, Man, I just needed eighty dollars. He said, Don't say nothing. Thank you, Jesus. This is getting better. And I said, Lord, I know you know where I'm at. You sent a stranger on I-10 out of hundreds of thousands of people that travel this road. You sent somebody to me who doesn't know me, and, and, and he, he helped us get here. So I said, all right, my faith was high. That was on Friday. My faith plummeted on Wednesday because they called me and said, um, you blew your engine out. It's going to be $15,000 to change your engine. And I just started laughing at the lady on the phone. And I said, ma'am. I didn't even pay 15000 for the truck. I guess she thought I was going to say, go ahead, start on it. And it was on a Wednesday. You know, for preachers, bad news comes on Sundays and Wednesdays. And it was on a Wednesday. And I, I, I mean to tell you, I went to that prayer room. I was mad. I was, I was livid. I cried. I snotted. I pled. It was a wilderness because I have no control over what's going on right now. I had a broken down truck. It may not be. Wilderness is very from person to person. This was a wilderness for me. I don't have $15,000. I don't have a dollar, much less 15000 to put together. And I cried and I cried and I cried. I mean, I let God know how. He didn't have to wonder how Tyler felt. I was upset. I didn't understand why I was having to go through that. That's your truck, God. All I'm trying to do is pull this trailer around and, and preach the gospel. Why would this happen? And finally I said, I'm done talking, God. I said, I want you to talk to me. And I turned some music on my phone, some instrumental music. 
And I sat back against the wall, and I said, I'm not saying another word until you say something. I was pretty upset. And I sat there for a little bit. And the Lord spoke to me. I, I could take you to the spot I was sitting. The Lord spoke to me. And this is what he said. He said, if you'll pray as hard for revival as you just prayed for your truck, I'll take care of your truck and you'll have revival. Talk about put me back in my, in my place, huh? I said, Lord, from this point forward, all I'm going to say about that dumb truck is thank you, God, for taking care of my truck. That's it. Did everything turn around right there? No. But I turned around because I learned that when you're walking through the wilderness, there is value in a wilderness. There is something productive in a wilderness. It does something that the spotlight can't do. It does something that the song can't do. It it teaches, it shapes, it molds you into someone God wants you to be. They they said, they, they did some checking. They said, well, we found a used engine. And with labor and everything, we can get it done for a little over $7,000. Well, that's still not good, but it sure does beat $15,000. And I said, all right, go ahead. We'll do this. Within, within three weeks, over $10,000 was handed to me. Never asked for nothing. God, people would call me and say, Brother so-and-so, when I think of you, all I think about is money. And I say, well, I think that's the will of God. <laughs> you obey what you feel in the Holy Ghost. And God will bless you. You don't fight that. I don't have to pray if that's the will of God. That's the will of God. I just recognize that. But I look back at that wilderness I look back in that season of my life, and it was there that I stepped into another level of faith that I could have never been to if it hadn't been for the wilderness. I look back at that wilderness, and I see the wonder of the wilderness because God showed me something that I have never been able to forget. I saw a beauty in God. Stand with me right now. Don't despise the wilderness. Don't despise that place in your life that you try as you might. You can't fix it like you want to fix it. Because in that place, God is teaching you to trust Him. God is teaching you something that no other season of life can teach you. Yes, there will be tears. Yes, there will be frustration. Those emotions are synonymous with the wilderness. But when you come forth, when you come forth, you'll recognize the wilderness was beneficial. Paul, trying to do the will of God, and the ship comes apart in the storm. 
What do you mean, God? The ship comes apart. This is how I thought I was supposed to do the will of God. This is how I thought. This is what I figured in my mind was going to be the method. Paul, I'm not obligated to your method. I'm obligated to you. And Paul, the only way he survived was he grabbed the board and he held on. When you don't know what else to do, you accept the wilderness as the will of God and you hold on. When you can't figure your way out, you hold on. Because as long as you hold on, hell has to hold off. As long as you can grab that and say, God, I'm holding. My faith says God knows where I'm at. My faith says God is going to bring me through it. I'm going to hold on to the promises of God. I'm going to hold on. And when I come out of the wilderness, I will see the beauty. I will see the wonder. Can we lift our hands all over this building right now? I don't know what you've been walking through. I don't know where you've been. I don't know the questions you have in your mind. You may be looking at what you're walking through and saying, how in the world can this be the will of God? How in the world can anything beneficial happen out of this situation? How in the world can God do anything good out of this? God says, if you'll just trust him. I wonder tonight if there's anybody that wants to step out of your pew. You may be in a wilderness right now. But I have a feeling that God is going to give you a refreshing tonight. I have a feeling that God can turn that wilderness into a table of water. That God can bring a wellspring out of your dry ground. If you can just see that God knows what he's doing. There is wonder in the wilderness. God's ways are higher than your ways. You may not understand it at the moment. You have to believe that God knows where you're at. You have to believe with me that God sees you at this very moment. Oh, come on, reach out right now. Let a spirit of restoration come upon you. Let your faith be restored right now. Let your faith be restored.